Isn't it good to be back in Harrogate? Come on, is that just me? Or have you cried already as we began to worship Jesus together in this place? Even though our experience has been varied over these past couple of years, there's so much that we share, so much in the middle ground, in the common ground. But we have not been used to doing this. And though we are a people of encounter, we believe that he still comes to real people in real places and that he never comes in part. He always comes fully as God. He always comes fully, Jesus as Savior. He always sends the fullness of the Spirit. That it is like getting reminded of what it feels like together in his presence. How many others are feeling that? (laughs) Reminded that he's not limited by just moving here at the front, but right across this building, we've sensed his presence already as we worship the Father and the Son through the Spirit. He can't help but respond to the praises of his people. That's the nature of God. That's what he's put within us. Worship is not just a moment in our lives. It's a pulse. It's a rhythm of what it is to be a child of God. So would you just lift your hands for a moment before I say a a word from the message Let's just remember, this is, this is holy ground. Why? Because he's here. It's not because of the building. It's because of the presence in the building. And across this building already, there are pockets where God is moving by his spirit. There's some healing happening here tonight. I just, I just call that out. I, and, and I want you to remain expectant and open because he's here. He's here. He's here, and he wants to manifest that presence as you've worshipped, as you've responded already like I have, and and as we've we've sung those words, some of you are hearing, you are not forgotten, and the voice of the Spirit is going to quicken you in this space, even in this next little while. So, Holy Spirit. We welcome you. We say it humbly, not presumptuously. We welcome you. We ask you to move in unrestrained and unrestricted ways. We ask you to help us to catch up with you. We ask you not, to help us not be afraid to let you move in us. We ask you to quicken those gifts again. We ask you to release courage and faith for one another to speak words of life, even in this place. And as we go, we ask you for fresh anointing, courage and and, and passion for out there. And so we say, Lord, in this room right now, let your kingdom come. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done. Let, Let your spirit move. And as we ask, so may we respond. Have us, Lord. Have our hearts. This isn't just a theme to us tonight. It's a prayer. Have our lives. Have our churches. Have our ministries. We lay them down right now. But we want your ministry. We want your heart. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, 
Amen. Please take your seats. Keep that openness. Keep that prayer. Keep that prayer we just prayed at the forefront of your hearts, if you can, over this little while. It is so good to be back. And, uh, and, and, and not just back, but ready for all that he wants to say to us, do to us in these strange summit days where we pack days and days into every day, where we kind of get on the summit uh, travelator and move through these days in a blur, or is that just me? If you get out to Betty's over these next few days, bring me a cake back because I never do. It's just that something starts to happen, but not really, I don't want too many cakes actually. And he just glared at me the moment I said that. Um, but you know, in these days, we, we, we really want not just to go through conference routines and summit routines, we want him to speak to us. I, I think in a way we've never been more needy. We've never been more vulnerable. We've never been more tender. Some of us never been more hungry for the presence of God and for the touch of the Lord. I believe that some people are going to get healed at Summit this year. I believe that's already stirring. And, and, and I, want to, I want to shake some things off my life for faith to rise. That sense of when Jonathan was speaking this morning, he spoke about that, uh, 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 not, just, not just something that is going to happen, but something that you know, that you know, that you know. And I want to get back into the knowing zone over these days, don't you? Things I don't just know, but things that I know, that I know, that I know that God is going to do. So let's move. The unstoppable mission of God. I thought, why did I think of that title? But if truth be told, they, they asked for, the you know, deadline was coming. They asked for the titles for all of us that are speaking. And, 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 and so suddenly, Lord, what is it? And so we'll start there and see where we go. But the overall theme for all of these sessions is, is mission-hearted. We felt God give us that, 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 that title, not just as a conference title, but almost as a position statement that we didn't know where we'd be in 2022, but we began to sense that there was something that, that was forming amongst us, many of us. You may have been preaching about this stuff, in, about heart things in your local community, in your local church situation. Duncan's written a book about it. See, I got it in there. Okay. And Duncan's book, Wholehearted, is remarkable. It's wonderful. It's downstairs along with other Elim authors and other authors. Do go and get a hold of it. But this theme of the heart of God and the heart of mission is something we want to uh, open up together. But mostly we want to hear the Lord say his thing into our thing. But let me begin, looking back over more than a century of revival and outpourings of the Holy Spirit, as the Pentecostal and charismatic movements that we're a part of experienced incredible and explosive growth across a century or more, there's a pattern that emerges. There's a noticeable and striking pattern. I love church history. I love revival history, as many of you. And, and so trust me when I say that those who tell the stories of particular missions, missionaries or movements, turn again and again to the bigger story of what God is doing in biographies and histories and articles and 
messages at conferences like these all around the globe, there's, sorry, we hear dramatic and powerful language. If you check out some of the church history revival movements books or, or, or videos, they tend to draw on phrases like this, like a mighty river. It's a story of the beginnings of the Assemblies of God in America. The Unfailing Stream is a story written by a, a brilliant uh, theologian and, and, and man of the spirit who knows his onions and knows his history. And he is using that unfailing stream as, a, as an expression of what God is doing in the bigger picture than any one name, brand, or denomination. There are others like Blazing the Trail, Lighting the World, our own P.S. Brewster, a former GS and, 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 and pastor of, of, of the Cardiff Church for over 35 years and the, the guy that, that found my mother's family and led him to Jesus. He became a, a world Pentecostal leader that preached the message all around the globe, everywhere he could, called the spreading flame of Pentecost. And they have something in common. I can still hear evangelist Reinhard Bonnke Declaring over crowds of thousands from Cape Town to Cairo, Africa shall be saved. Uh, I'm, I'm going to do it again because I love accents. I'm a bit of a mimic. I'm not great, but I love, I'm nosy. I'm always wondering where people are from. But Reinhard would say it with a rasp, wouldn't he? From Cape Town to Cairo, Africa shall be saved. No bad. No, you know the authentic, Rachel, and, 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 and I, you know, I'm doing it in trepidation. Did you hear the language? It's big story. It's big picture. It's reminding us however much he has moved among us in a moment, in a season, in a tribe, that there's a bigger story going on. Charisma magazine in the US for many years ran a theme every year. What the Holy Spirit is doing around the world. And it was the best issue because from the first page to the last page, it was just Holy Spirit stories, or as John Wimber used to call them, Holy Ghost stories. We don't like ghost stories, we love Holy Ghost stories. And charisma was just updating every year, and there was always something of that element, not just of sensationalism, they couldn't keep up with the story. I remember a time in London back in the day when some of us were there as rookies together that we couldn't keep up with the amount of churches that were being planted. You couldn't get a building in London on a Sunday for any purpose because everywhere was being rented. Some of you remember those days. Some of you say, we're still in those days. <laughs> so this big narrative, this big story, and it's not just because we're Pentecostal. What they all have in common is a sense of movement, of God moving by his spirit and, and, and seeing themselves as part of a great move of God through history. Many, many church leaders might say it's not the time to be talking that kind of language right now because we've gone so in, inwardly, recognizing the pain, the trauma in, in our society and, and church has been tough and church has been hard and and with great respect and, 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 and honor to each local church situation, each leader that's wrestling with, how do we get from this back into the big story? I want to say tonight that there is an unstoppable mission of God that we are a part of now 
and in the future. It's not going to stop. It's not going to be dialed back. I want to say in this profoundly challenging season, they share a revelation that his plans and purposes can't be stopped, that he'll continue to pour out his presence and power and to fulfill his plans and purposes in every time and season. And in this profoundly challenging season that we're in for the church, God is moving through history to generations, across nations, into cultures and subcultures, communities, neighborhoods and families with his unstoppable mission. It's a mission of love. It's a mission of saving people and giving them new life. It's a mission of restoration and renewal. Would somebody say amen this evening? You believe that and I do too, but something happens in the ordinariness of our comfortable and convenient packaging of faith in the Western world that means that we lose that edge, that Holy Spirit prophetic edge, that there's a bigger story. God is not caught out by the circumstances. He's not surprised by what has happened to our world. In every church I'm preaching in at the moment, I'm kind of doing some kind of uh, alignment on that one. Just remembering in Matthew 24 that Jesus said, hey, I'm telling you in advance, guys, it's gonna get hard, it's gonna get tough. You've heard me say it here at Summit, tough times are coming. Tougher times are coming, he says to the world. And yet in the midst of that, remember, I told you in advance, don't be afraid, don't be alarmed. It's harvest time in tough times. How is that? But some of you are seeing that even though you're not sure who's in the church and who's not, who's coming back, who's nearly coming back, who's back, but new people are coming in. Hear it every Sunday in small and large and medium churches as we back out with one another, that people are coming to faith. And it feels a bit kind of topsy-turvy. It feels like a strange kind of uh, almost a confusing time. But in the midst of that, tough times, Jesus said harvest times. The God who's never out of season is, is moving by his spirit. You're having baptism services. We're hearing it, seeing it on social media. Uh, somebody told me about it, David. I think some, somebody told me just yesterday about a, a church having a, a baptism service for the first time in a decade, and that's not rare. And it's not just in Elim churches and other brands are available. Hey, more importantly, the kingdom is available. But in other streams too, they're waking up to the fact that against all the odds, against all our best projections, God is doing something new or something old. Again, he's moving towards people, real people in real places, a phrase I trot out everywhere I go, because we need to remember it's real people that God seeks. It's real people who will be real with him and, and get to a point of response to the reality of his love for you, for me, for us, and for those that we're amongst. And in the midst of that, I know you know this, but going through real things, the God of harvest is moving with his unshakable, unchangeable, and unstoppable mission. And as we've been moving through levels of crisis that we have not seen most of us in our lifetime, at least in generations, the global church is being called everywhere. Whatever RE, reword we use, many of us are talking about resets. 
about resetting, you know, the devices that you have. They have a, a reset button, don't they? And, and usually accompanied by some warnings, do you really want to do this? Do you really, really want to do this? Back to factory settings, really, it'll wipe everything and, and you'll be, it'll be blank, it'll be brand new. What about a spiritual reset? I believe with all my heart that every leader, every pastor, every evangelist, every chaplain, every one of us, every volunteer, every person in every church that we're a part of, that it's time for us to have a reset. Not just the program, not just the methods, not just the, the building, it's great. Hey, I think uh, Harrogate's a bit spruced up since we were last here. They've done some work in the place, but it's not just that kind of cosmetic or even relatively serious reset of form and function. It's a reset of heart. And if anything over these few days, that, 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 that if it's about anything us being here, it's about getting beyond all the other optional resets to reset our hearts together and individually. And I know that's where you are too. In our, in, our, in our best of moments, our hearts are crying out for a real reset. A reset in our core mission and our message to rediscover God's power for our times. Let me be really clear about how I think about mission. And I've been to lots of the seminars like some of you have. And if I'm really, really honest, when people talk a lot about vision and mission, sometimes I get confused. Which is which and values, throw values in there as well, that curveball. And, you know, some of you are great at that stuff and you love it. But I'll tell you this, here's the mission. We have one mission. It's the mission of Jesus. That's it. We've got nothing else. Nothing else. No other mission will survive. The mission of Jesus that he shared with his disciples, that this gospel will be preached in all the world and then the end will come. But then on a mountaintop that he... he released to them, not, not as a duty and an obligation, but as a holy charge and a promise to go into all the world and preach the good news of the kingdom of God and that as they go, that he would be with them until the end of the age. That's still uh, relevant. That's still hanging. That's still waiting for the fullness of all that he wants to do. So the mission is this. Jesus is the mission. The mission is to bring Jesus. Jonathan reminded us this morning, the kingdom is the mission. The kingdom of God, wherever his people go, with him, the kingdom comes. The kingdom comes not just because the speaker is there or the name is there, but not the name in, 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 that we look to anyway in terms of the speakers on the stages or the, the people that publish the book. Sorry, Duncan, but it's Jesus' name, isn't it? Jesus comes with a kingdom to, to bring his mission, and his mission is non-negotiable. He's the savior of the world, and his kingdom is come. That mission was fully manifested in Jesus announcing and releasing the good news of the kingdom of God. I want to let you into another secret, an open secret, one that gripped my heart years ago when a man called John Wimber began to talk about the way that we so easily package up when God has moved in our lives. And he said this, uh, people talk about our ministry or they, they put on you uh, the expectations of a ministry. But he said this, uh, I don't have a ministry. I really, really don't have a ministry. It's all about Jesus's ministry. 
Guys, I wonder if there's just a moment right now where you can just echo that in your heart and recognize you're not actually climbing some ministry ladder in order to get your ministry. Give it up now. What you have the opportunity to do is receive his ministry. You might say that's just words, semantics. No, it's all the difference in the world. It's not just words, it's heart. Be released tonight from your ministry. You don't have one except to serve him. But if you pick up his ministry, oh my Lord, all things become possible. So there's a leveling down in the kingdom that has to happen before we rise. Let's level down a minute tonight. There's a lot of talk about leveling up and I get that economically. I get that aspirationally. I get that in terms of community. But right now, Followers of Jesus need to level down and say, Lord Jesus, I lay it all down. My ministry, my gifts, my ambitions, my sense of all that I have to bring to this season and time. And I come simply before you, hearing your invitation to receive your ministry. What would it be if over these next couple of days, that's really what happens in our heart? Alan Hirsch, who many of you will know, there's a lot of his books downstairs. They're really, really, really deep. Really, really deep. But they're wonderful as well. And here's what Alan says into this season. In times like these, as we clarify our core mission, that it's really important that we travel light. So the reset is about not so much baggage, but traveling light from now on as those who carry the ministry of Jesus, the mission of Jesus. And Alice says, let's travel light, guys. Here's how he says it a bit more eloquently. At the heart of all great movements is a recovery of simple Christology. In other words, who Jesus is and what he does. The desperate, prayer-soaked clinging to Jesus, the reliance on the Spirit and distilling the gospel message into the simple, uncluttered message of Jesus as Lord. I'm gonna read that again because it just begins to get into my spirit. Traveling light, he says, is, is, is about a recovery of a simple who Jesus is and what he does, Christology. The desperate, prayer-soaked clinging to Jesus. How many of you have been there? Times when, oh yes, you have, some of you. Times where that's really all you could do was a kind of a desperation born of many various things where all you can do is cling to Jesus. Some of you have been in some situations that you kind of want to, uh, check back in the small print. You've been in somewhere that if it was always, if it was only about Elim sending you, you'd give up and run away right now. But you clung on to something that God had spoken into your spirit. And when the denomination might disappoint you, or the person that mentored you might disappoint when all other things are not enough of a reason to go on. It's that clinging to Jesus, to his word, his dream, his vision 
that you said, yes, Lord, I believe that that is for me. And Alan begins to summarize some of our experience, some of our shared past, the reliance on the Spirit. Wow, remember that when actually we were a lot braver in relying upon the Spirit, a lot more responsive when we sensed Him near. Some of us got better at that when we were around one another. And some of us still do. As Melvin came and shared a prophetic word, he whispered to me, I've not done this in years. Now that's not exposing a lack, but actually saying, I think God wants to say something to us tonight. And bless you, Melvin, for coming. You're quickening something in us. So that desperation, that sense of being reliant upon the Spirit. What about that prayer-soaked clinging and the distillation, the, the stripping down of the gospel message into the simple and classic message of Jesus the Lord? I have no doubt in my own spirit that in these next days, we're gonna have to become more and more focused on the simple gospel. I don't, I don't want to in any way minimize the challenge of our culture. But the answer is not accommodating to the culture. The answer is we need to be absolutely convinced that Jesus is Lord, that he is who he says he is, and that we are called to be a kingdom people. And we need to go out not with arrogance, but with servant hearts, with humility, but with faith. Because Jonathan is right, that more signs and wonders will be happening on the streets and outside than in the church. We know that's true. So what if there is a reset around the miraculous where we go out not in our techniques, but actually in simple obedience and dependence on the Holy Spirit of God and on the promises of Jesus. So let's move forward. Didn't Jesus say, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail? Didn't he say that that gospel that would be preached in all the world is a sign of the, the, the coming, of the returning of the Lord. So every leader, every church, every denomination is in reset. And the real reset is a defining moment. There's no doubt that it will involve a return to simplicity and clarity, but also to deep residual faith in the God who answers by fire in the God who breaks into real situations now where no culture is impenetrable and there are no no-go areas to the Holy Spirit of God. Nowhere. That's what Reinhard knew when he began to live out and speak out that prophetic call from Cairo to Cape Town. Or from Cape, both, both ways. Africa shall be saved. To advance together as a movement in radical mission and ministry is our desire. But it's easy to say, make no mistake, though the mission of Jesus is moving and will continue to spread. Why? Because mission pours out of the heart of God. God is mission-hearted. That sounds so obvious, I... I almost am embarrassed to say it, but I want us just to go for a little while. Come with me. Mission is his heart. It's not a part of his heart. His heart beats with mission. 
His heart propels mission outward. He has a mission heart. And tonight we're not here just to have a, a part message on the heart of God. We are here to receive a new heart, to receive God's heart with all my strength, and mind, and spirit, and heart. I'm wanting to position myself as I hope and pray you are before the heart of God. Let's read the scriptures. Matthew 9, and then we'll go to a brief part of Acts 13. You'll know this one. It's a springboard scripture. It's when Jesus uh, tells him to look at the fields that the harvest is white and even though the season doesn't look right, that God is in season. And he wants them to see what they will soon begin to see by the Spirit. But he wants to retrain their eyes and their heart and stir their dreams that when it looks tough times, that actually it's harvest time. Some of you are in situations right now where you're on that journey. He's opening your eyes and, 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 and you've stopped saying this is the toughest place in the nation and that this is the hardest place because actually God is re training your eyes to see what Barnabas saw when he went to Antioch and he saw chaos and confusion and all kinds of problems in the baby church that was starting but God had retrained his eyes and so the Bible tells us that when he arrived in Antioch he saw the evidence of the grace of God did he see problems yes but God had retrained his eyes his vision to see what God was doing in the midst of that confusion what would it be for us to have not just the mission heart of God, but out of that heart, we start to see differently. Jesus says, I want you to see the fields. And then he goes on to say this in verse 939, chapter 9, verse 39 of Matthew's gospel. You know it well. When he saw the crowds, Jesus was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep without a shepherd. When he saw the crowds, he was moved, active word, with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep without a shepherd. What I'm realizing more and more, and I preach that often, and I refer to that text often, is that was not just a moment of movement. It wasn't just a moment of response. It was absolutely sourced from the heart of his father that he was always moved towards individuals, yes, but also towards the crowds. The things that would blur for others, he could see from the heart of God. How do we become a people that are moved with that compassion? Some of you guys are doing extraordinary compassion ministries, grace ministries, mercy ministries. You've got a heart for the poor. You, you've also got a desire to share that with others and to to challenge others to step into that space. And, and, and you're doing extraordinary things, and I wanna say keep going. But what is it, what is it that we need to, to not just start that kind of movement, but to keep it going, to bring about God's purposes? And I wanna suggest to you, it's not enough just to have a moment of our hearts being moved. We need a new heart, a renewed heart, a constantly renewed heart that comes from God, from that source of the mission heart of God, that revelation, that mission comes from and pours out of the heart of God. John 
in his gospel tells us that God so loved the world. That oh so familiar text is actually illustrative. It's a direct example that God's heart is a mission heart. And out of his heart, he poured love. He so loved that he gave. Gave what? His best, his only son. That if we don't see that Jesus' saving activity, his saving ministry came directly from the heart of God. Not once in a moment, but before the creation of the world, God's heart was moving with mission that sent him because he loved so much. There's kind of an infinity about that phrase. How many, time, how many O's could you put after that S? God loved the world so... Let's see how long I can call my breath. So much. And he said, Jesus, it's not just a response in the first century. Before the creation of the world, his heart was a mission heart and he was moving and moving. You know, those of you that know the stories of the Old Testament, that know the, the, the passages that God revealed himself through, informing and forging a nation that would be a light to the nations again and again and again. He's moved. He's moved. Before Jesus comes, he's moved to, to people. He's moved to relationship with them. And so, motivated by extreme and limitless love, Jesus the Savior comes to seek and save us and to call us into lives of doing mission with him. Now, jump with me to Acts 39 for a moment. So springboard is Jesus was moved. That comes not just from a moment of great compassion, but from a heart of the Father that was going to keep moving towards those who need eternal life, those who need his love those who need reconciliation, those who need to come to the Father. Acts 13, um, Acts 13 and verse 22. You put that in the, up on the screen, thank you. Paul was a head man, I think, more than a heart man. I don't want to be disrespectful. He's not here to contradict it, but... I, 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 I just get that sense of this towering intellect, this extraordinary apologist, this, this, this zealous man, trained in the ways of the Jewish faith, zealous and committed to the traditions of his people. But one day on a Damascus road, his, his hatred for the people of Jesus and for Jesus, Jesus captured his heart. And the hater of Jesus and Jesus' people gave his life over to continuing the mission of Christ. And in Acts 13, as Paul and Barnabas are in Antioch in Pisidia, on the Sabbath, Paul speaks to the crowd. It's actually the longest account we get of one of Paul's sermons here. It's the longest one. It doesn't mean it was the longest, but it's the longest account that we get of what he says. And he immediately reminds the crowd of the big story of God's promise and plan for Israel, declaring very boldly in the midst of that, that Jesus is the fulfillment of that salvation plan. So he's on to big story. 
He doesn't go straight into the message of Jesus. He places him in the big, unstoppable mission of God. And then as he does that, he declares Jesus to be the fulfillment of everything that's promised. Right in the middle, he goes to David, or he refers to David. And he says this, you'll know it well. He tells them in that big story, as he gets to David, that God says of David, there it is, I found in David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, who will do all my will. I found in David, God says, a man after my own heart, who will do all my will. The great missionary Paul, whose heart had been changed by Jesus, whose head had been enlarged by the revelation of Jesus as Savior, focuses on David, the shepherd boy become king, from whose lineage and covenant promise would come Jesus the Savior, the Messiah. And he reveals that the secret of David's life and impact and legacy was his heart. Now, I love words, and, and I've looked around at the various translations, and, 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 and what we have up here, I found in David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. There are two things that are going on there. Track with me if you already know this, but it just dawns on me afresh as we come to look at what is it that, 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 that God wants us to receive by way of a new heart, a mission heart. David, I found David, a man after my own heart. Two aspects of that word after. The first one is it simply can mean like my heart. David's heart, my heart. Like my heart. His heart is like mine. Now the fact that we know some of the stories of the ups and downs of David's journey, David's pathway, the victories but also the defeats, the front stage but also the backstage of his character and his, his decisions and his actions makes that a real challenge for us on one level. And, and yet God says as an epitaph of David, Paul says God said, so it's on good testimony. David's heart is like his. Wow. How do we even begin to say, I want the heart that's just like your heart. Holy God, mighty God. It's almost presumptuous to even go there. How do we dare begin to see ourselves? But I want to suggest to you that even though God is saying that about David. And through Jesus, we'll say extraordinary things like that about you and me as we come to surrender our lives to him and are born again. He calls us righteous. He calls us sons and daughters. He speaks miraculous words of transformation over us that we cannot fathom. There's another sense to that word after. Some of you are ahead of me already. It means after like running after. David is a man whose heart is after God, is pursuing God, is running after God, is seeking, searching, longing. And if you're not convinced yet, spend some time going back over not just his, the narrative of the history of his life, but his Psalms. The episodes where 
the temptation to go another way was actually overcome by a pursuing heart that would not stop. Some of you will remember Jesus meeting a Samaritan woman and uh, uh, John's account of that in John 4 is remarkable. There's all kinds of taboos. There's all kinds of no-go areas that he, 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 he violates. He, he breaks in order to, to be moved towards this woman and bring revelation and, and healing and transformation and new life to her. And, and in the midst of that, they have a, a strange conversation about worship. And, and, and she begins to, to just come with her history and her cultural background and her religious background. And, and yet Jesus is not thrown off what he's pursuing in her. And he says to her this, the time is coming when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Here it is. For these are the kind of worshipers that the Father seeks. It's extraordinary that Jesus says God is looking for worshippers. Not just the band, not just the, the X Factor auditions, but God is looking for people who are looking for him. God is looking for people whose hearts are after him. God is, is, is roaming the earth. It's extraordinary that Jesus says that. There are are, are, are worshippers that are coming who will worship him in word and spirit, spirit and truth. And yet, he points to the fact that God is looking for them. David was above all things, I think, a worshipper. I, I used to be involved in worship music, and I don't just say this to kind of pull rank on other ministries, but Sam and, and, and you guys and Ian, I, I still want to say it. You know, every other ministry you will lay down. The prophet will lay down prophecy. The evangelist will stop evangelizing. The teacher will stop teaching. The shepherds will stop shepherding because the great shepherd takes all the load. But worshipers will never stop worshiping. Never, ever, 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 ever. We're worshiping him. And worship is not just about the song we sing, but the life we live, the heart that beats to pursue him. Here's what I believe that, that this is all about. God says of David, I found David. And his heart is, has become like my heart because all of his life, in all circumstances, he's been after me. He's been after me. He's never stopped. He's never packed up the bags. He's never been satisfied with his theological library. He's never been satisfied with what he knows about me. Like Paul in his later years, he's still hungry. He's still pursuing. I want to know him. What if the reset was that we become a people who are going to pursue him for the rest of our days? If the reset is that we are, we are not saying that if we can stack up enough character kind of uh, points, but actually we're saying, Lord, we are not going anywhere. Remember when Peter said, Jesus watches the crowd drift away. And he says to Peter, something like this, will you go? He says to the disciples, are you going too? And what does Peter say? Where have we to go? They had homes to go to. He had a fishing business he could have resurrected. But, but what he says is, where have we to go? 
You have the words of eternal life. Alan Hirsch, simple, Jesus, gospel, kingdom. Peter said, we've got nowhere to go because you've spoiled us for everything else. We can't do life without you now because we know, we know that we know that we know that you are Jesus, you are the Savior, you are the Messiah. There's nowhere else to go. Guys, it's time we say there's nowhere else to go. There's no other way. And we say it with love and conviction. So let's just home in on David as I bring this into land. There's so much we could say about the heart. Nothing has absorbed the human story more than the miracle and mystery of the human heart. Poets and songwriters and artists have told its tales and sages and scientists have tried to fathom its depths. But the Bible speaks of the heart as the center of who we are. Read Duncan's book and other books are available. Wholehearted more than merely a physical organ. The heart is where our emotions and desires, our personality, character, and consciousness is formed. And so in Proverbs 4, above all things God, your heart gives us a recipe for, 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 for good living that is way beyond just the Mediterranean diet. Hebrews 4, 12 speaks about the heart. It says it in a way that my, my dear friend, a 95-year-old, psychiatrist by his own admission that he's 95. I wouldn't dare say that if he hadn't given me permission to say that. Dr. David Enoch, a remarkable psychiatrist of great eminence and learning, he says to me, Chris, we still cannot define consciousness. We can't even begin to define what the spirit is and the soul is. The greatest minds that might say they know haven't a clue. And Hebrews 4 says, the word of God is alive. It's living and active like a sharp edge, two-edged sword. It penetrates to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow, but it goes one step further. It discerns the thoughts and actions of the heart. In other words, Hebrews 4 there is saying that deeper than anything else can get, God's word and his spirit gets to the heart. So we come to the heart. Our self-centered and self-obsessed culture has elevated the human heart to the point where a generation is encouraged to look within their own heart and be true to their own heart. But the reality is there's bad news about the heart as well. The heart is deceitful, Jeremiah says. Above all things and desperately sick, who can understand it? I, the Lord, search the heart to give everyone according to his ways. There's that search again. Though capable of extraordinary feeling, sensitivity and emotion, the human heart left to its own devices and not able to contain and sustain consistently carry the fullness of God's love for us and for others. In other words, our hearts are not enough. We need a new heart. The glory is that God reveals in the book of Exodus 36, right at the start of his revelation, his, his, his continued revelation until Jesus, he, he begins to reveal that he's going to give us a new heart. He defines it in terms of relationship. Here's what he says, I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put in you and I'll remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And through Jesus, he draws us into a heart relationship. So three things we need to do. The first one, not just here in this room tonight, but maybe you and I can make a start, is to receive a new heart. 
How do we that have talked so much about heart relationship with Jesus come to a point in a, a time of wanting to renew what we do for the rest of our days to serve him and live for him and love him and, and, and love him out to others? How do we receive a new heart? That's not to deny our moment of conversion or, or personal salvation, but it's just to say this, it was always about a new heart. And when we come to a time like this, a season where we want to face out and step out again, there's an invitation to renew our hearts with his new heart. That's what David did again and again. The Lord sees, Samuel says, not on the outward, but he looks on the heart. So what kick-started the story of David's life was his heart, that God was looking beyond the surface of his heart. Right at that point, I want you to see something as David is anointed by Samuel. Extraordinary thing begins to happen. We read that as he's anointed, that the Holy Spirit begins to rush upon David. I believe with all my heart that in this time together, God wants to change our hearts from dry and indifferent and anxious and wounded and fearful and divided and, and, and sinful and, 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 and that he wants to give us all instead a clean, a soft, a sensitive, responsive, compassionate, undivided, courageous hearts. And that that starts with surrender. A surrendered, sensitive, softening heart. A heart for the lost. And, and if Jesus is doing anything in this season, it's to bring his people back to give us a new heart out of which we can live a new season of mission. For us to do that, to see the power of a surrendered heart and the passion of a renewed heart, we have to start being willing to receive from him again. In a little moment, or in a few moments, I'm going to ask you to give him your hearts. And I'm going to seek to do that too. And that will mean different things to you. It may be a recurring prayer. But where we are, we're going to come to just a moment before we close this service. Where we're going to give him our hearts. As a confession of our mouths, perhaps. As a posture of our lives. We're going to say, Lord, give us a new heart. Here's what happens. We hear the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that day forward. When God finds someone whose heart is after his heart, the Spirit of the Lord rushes upon them. God said to Samuel, go and anoint and I'll show you who to anoint. And the sons come before him and each time know. Then he says, I'm not looking on the outward, I'm looking at the heart. And then he tells us that when he comes upon David and anoints him, prophet Samuel tells us that God's spirit from that moment on rushes upon him. Wow. Would you close your eyes for a moment? What is that? 
that the Spirit of God might want to do as you give him your heart tonight in renewal. Most of us in this room would already have begun the journey of faith, so we're not right back at first time of giving, Lord, I give you my heart. I've sung it a thousand times, but it still moves me. But as we give him our heart and all that's involved in that, you know, some of you guys don't go home with the heart you came with. It's time to let it be softened, to let it be healed. And the Holy Spirit says that He'll rush upon those whose heart receives God's heart. Where you are right now, I'm, I'm, I've got too much material. That's the habit of a lifetime. But right now, wherever you are, maybe you can stand. Maybe you can get out into an aisle. Maybe you can just come to the front. And I want you, if you're giving him your heart afresh tonight, I'm going to trust the Holy Spirit has quickened that in a way that I don't need to keep speaking about that. David's heart was changed. David's heart was changed as the Spirit rushed upon him. The Holy Spirit wants to rush upon your heart. He's going to move you places you never dreamed. He's going to show you things you, you, you didn't see before. He's going to give you a healed heart and a wholeness of heart. And it won't come from performance. It will come from surrender. A surrendered heart leads to a responsive heart, a sensitive heart. And a responsive heart leads to a re reproductive heart where if people are around you, they start to catch that mission heart. Come on, wherever you are, stand if you want to. Come if you want to. You're going to give Him your heart right now. You're going to give Him whatever it is. I'm not going to put the words in because that's your space. That's your moment with Jesus. Broken heart, wounded heart, dry heart, stony heart, disappointed heart. Orphan hearts, come on. Orphan heart, give him your heart. The father calls you daughter. The father calls you son. Lord, we are beginning to say we want your ministry, not ours. We want to give you our heart. We surrender. Give me your heart, Lord Jesus. Some of you have run well with compassion and mercy, but it won't sustain you without a renewed heart. Let him give you. Some of you have got a, a subcultures and mission fields on your heart. You don't know what to do. It's, it's nearly breaking you. The weight of it, the burden of it. Give him your heart. Surrender it now, wherever you are. Young people, you guys, you see some stuff that we don't see and you're offended by the injustice that you see. And I want to say, you won't carry that with your heart. Give him your heart. He'll rush on you. He'll rush on you. Holy Spirit, come right now. We surrender our hearts. We don't want to go a moment. Where have we to go? Jesus, you have the words of eternal life. But as you rush upon us, we remind ourselves of the big story. You are not stopped. You have not ceased. Here we are. Surrendering. Laying down, heal me, Lord. 
Receive a new heart in the name of Jesus. Receive the mission heart of Jesus. Receive it right now. Receive it. Receive it by faith. Oh, it's not mine to give, it's His, it's His. All I'm doing is calling out what He is promising to release in you. Wow. Come on, dare to stand, dare to step out right now. He's stirring your heart, you know. You're almost afraid, some, some people here are most afraid of disappointment again because your heart is so bruised. Give it to Him, give it to Him. He's gonna give you a new heart. You're gonna find some love that you, you can't keep in. You're gonna find some courage that you can't hold back. You're gonna find some new tribes. Come on. In the name of Jesus. Holy Spirit, rush upon surrendered hearts right now. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Sam, lead us. We're gonna we sing a song. We're gonna sing one song that the, the band are gonna lead and sing over us, perhaps. As you, where you are, just do business with God right now. You're in a moment of personal surrender. It's nobody's business but yours. But in this place of faith and miracles, restoration and renewal, Jesus is releasing the promise of a new-hearted generation and a new-hearted people. Moving with compassion, moving your heart and your spirit, opening your eyes. It's gonna give you a fresh anointing, it's gonna give you fresh faith, it's gonna give you fresh vision. You can have it all, oh my heart, oh my soul, oh my life. You can have it all, oh my heart, oh my soul, oh my life. You can have it all. Spirit, we say as we close in these moments, that which you've birthed, that which you've planted, that which you've said tonight, would you seal in Jesus' name? Would you seal it right now in Jesus' name?